welcome to Talkie Talk, podcast of the media by us.com. We're doing our Game of Thrones review with me and TJ. This is started off amazing. This is great radio. You were you were adhering to normal podcast rules where guests don't speak until introduced, and I appreciate that. Well, you're no guest here. You are a knight of the seven kingdoms. It's my house. Yeah, it is actually your house. I just show up for an additional day of the week to bother you and your partner. But, yeah, we're here on a Monday talking about Game of Thrones. Uh, we just had our second episode of Season 8. Um, and, yeah. Going to run down some of the plot points, but first, what did you think initially? Good. A lot better than the first episode, which I didn't hate. But, yeah. Uh, this felt like a memorable episode of Game of Thrones. Outside of the, you know, like four big battle episodes. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely worth more than what it will be infamous for. Um, I thought that episode one, titled Winterfell, was about moving the pieces in the right place. It's like when you take out a chessboard, uh, you know, you put all the pieces where they're supposed to go, and then if you're teaching someone how to play, you then talk about how they're going to move. Right. And that's what this felt like. Yeah, so you get like details, which we'll get at a little bit about where people go and how they plan to initiate the battle and all that. Yep, we've got some uh, some some promotions, some uh, a knighthood, um, some clearing of the air from characters and uh, reconciliation. Um, and so we'll it starts off basically immediately where the last episode left off. Yeah, which is funny. Like, I was just reading the wiki plot before the podcast, and you could tell they were like updating it as the show goes because there's like a at Winterfell heading. Yeah. Like, there's going to be more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Is it Winterfell the whole time? But so, yeah, so so Jamie Lannister uh, stands before the court. He doesn't really stand trial, but this this, this seems like almost like, like a Winterfell arraignment. <clears throat> um, stands before Danny, Sansa, and John. Yeah. The Ward of the North, the Queen, and the Lady of Winterfell. Right. And, and they're kind of telling stories about how the Kingslayer should be punished for the crimes that he did on on Danny's lineage and for hunting him down and Jamie stands his ground and says the thing he was like you know I was serving the king uh, when I was coming after you when I heard you were in Essos and I would do it all again for my family and for my for my you know title and for my everything right and uh, it isn't until Brienne stands up and says like hey Jamie's an alright dude he swore an oath to Catelyn Stark and uh, he upheld it and Sansa would be dead if it weren't for him and uh, <laughs> then they throw the vote to John to be the tiebreaker and John is clearly distracted yes he's just like uh oh yeah right uh, we need every man we can get yeah also it holds true to his just like yes please fight <clears throat> yeah um, so yeah so Jamie is kind of pardoned but like probably temporarily pardoned um, I think that they also kind of see this as a death sentence anyway um, it, it begins the theme of this episode, I feel like, which is like, what happens if we have any, like, semblance of success? Right. Yeah, so they, they, they say, you know, he said, Brienne says, you know, I would expect him to fight alongside me, and they say, you know, well, he, he'll, he'll be your ward, basically. Like, what Theon was to the Starks at the beginning of the show. And she's like, yep, works for me. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I really think that, that in Daenerys' mind, she's like, yeah, he'll kill a bunch of them, but he'll probably die, so what the fuck do I care? Like, really? 
Right, and like as far as honor goes and shit, that's a good way to yeah go out. Um, so we go from that to Jamie then skulking into the Godswood. Uh, oh, the best part of the little council is uh, uh, Jamie saying, you know, he'd do everything again for his family. To which Bran interjects the things we do for love, which, if anything, he's been like like the best or like the worst quote machine. Yeah. From like earlier seasons with his chaos as a ladder, and now he like utters the phrase that Jamie says right before he pushes him out the window. Um, the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. He's got another little burner later. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but so Jamie goes, finds him in the Godswood, and it's like, hey, like you didn't rat me out. And here we kind of get Bran showing that like he still has agency. Like he he cares about the fight for the living. He's not just you know this sentient planet, right? Like embodied into one person, right? He was like because they'd kill you if I told them, and like we need everyone we can get to fight the Knights King yeah. if we're gonna beat them. So especially somebody who like yeah he lost a hand, but was by all accounts like. A top, like, five swordsman in Westeros. Yeah. Before that. Yeah. He's not just some, like, pretty boy. He's a badass. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we get a little bit about, uh, it, I think probably the weakest arc here in this episode. Uh, Tyrion stands up to defend Jaime in the court, and Daenerys goes, why should we trust you? You've been a pretty shitty hand. And then within the end, before the end of this episode, that all resolves. Jorah. Much due to Jorah. Yeah. yeah. Jorah comes and talks to Daenerys. Uh, one of the few people where when, when they enter her chambers at this point, she still has a smile on her face Yeah. Uh, when he came in. <clears throat> uh, so he's like, you know, he's not the kind of person you keep around because he's a good fighter. He's a great mind, you know. Right. All the things we know about Darren. Yeah. Tells the personal story about them and saying that he wanted to throw him into the river, like, constantly. Right. Um, but that he's just a, a, he wouldn't be alive without Tyrion. Um, a lot of, like, blood debts that we're talking about. You know, even like like Gendry and Arya talk about how they wouldn't survive without each other, and you know, there's the conversation about like Brienne and Jamie. <clears throat> Brienne says, "I would be dead without him." Sansa, you'd be dead without me. So, right, you do get a, the only part of that Tyrion, Danny, Jorah, Jamie, Cersei bit that I enjoyed was Danny at the end with Tyrion when Tyrion was like, "Pretty much let me do what I did at like Blackwater Bay." Yeah, like, I've done it before. Let me be out there. And her pretty much being like, if you're fighting, you're not important. Right. You're important because you're, like, the smartest man here. Right. So. Um, Arya has something to say about that. She says that Sansa's the smartest. I but said smartest man. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> <clears throat> so then we've got uh, Arya coming and giving shit to Gendry about not building her lightsaber yet. Uh, kind of an interesting scene. She, she kind of shows Gendry how badass of a fighter she is now. She takes three like throwing throwing knives and like, like digs them all like right in the same bullseye. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. And then Theon comes back. Um, I like oh, Theon in this. I like Theon in this too. And I skipped something. Sansa and Danny. I think probably in the like penultimate best episode, best scene of scene the episode. episode. Yeah, I would agree. Danny and Sansa have a clearing of the air. Um, which is not entirely cleared at the end of their conversation, but it's a really fun conversation where they're like, you know, Sansa is kind of falling back on her heels of the, you know, all of the teachings that she learned as like a young girl at Winterfell. And she's like, I guess I should have come and thanked you as soon as you got here. She was like, thank me for what? Like this, you know, 
And they both kind of talk about how, how John is like, one of the most important people in their lives, that Sansa doesn't have much family left. You know, she's got her, her two brothers and her sister, and that's it now. Yeah, I think she, like, without having the dialogue there, kind of realizes that the only reason she hated John when they were kids was because Kat hated John. Right. <clears throat> and now she'll come to realize the reason Kat hated John is bullshit at some point. She doesn't know that yet. Right. But, you know, she doesn't have that tie anymore, really. Um, yeah. It will be interesting to see, though, if when Sansa finds out John's true lineage, because she's always backed John, um, if she is going to kind of entreat some kind of split between them. Like, John, your claim is more right than hers is. Why don't you try and claim the throne instead of Danny? Um, right. But, but it, it, for the time at least, it seems like they've, they've, they've made up. They've, sh- they've shook hands. Uh, although Danny asks, or Sansa asks her, she goes, well, what about after the war? Let's, let's, let's all, everyone thinks we're going to die. Every character in this show. Let's pretend we succeed. Yeah. Until later on, <clears throat> everyone says we're going to die, but let's pretend we succeed. What happens to the North? Like we were, we were captured. Like we were, like we, we were shackled. Like we are a free people. Like they're not even like, supposedly they're not even the same species as the people who live in Westeros. Right. Like. Like well, that. well, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. But like, let us be free. Yeah. Um, to which uh, this is when Theon interrupts. He comes back, um, tells Danny, you know, I rescued Yara. I did what I wanted. She went back to the Iron Islands, and she was like, "Why didn't you go with her?" And he said, "Because I want to fight here." And Sansa gives him a big embrace. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. As mad as people are about the Arya Gendry thing, I feel like they'll be mad about the Theon Sansa thing because I feel like that's coming. I don't know if there's time. For old Theon. Yeah, I mean, he's not that good of a fighter. <clears throat> he's not horrible either. He's a great shot with a bow. Right. And he's been a great shot with a bow since Winterfell. So right. when people are like, holy shit, look at Theon fighting in episode one. It's like, well, yeah, that's he's always been a great shot with a bow. Right. He would taunt the other kids about it. Right. Um, but I think I took a lot from, like, so there's... <clears throat> we're getting the... We're coming up on, like, battle tactics, right? Yeah, the war council is the next scene. So, part of that is uh, Bran kind of unveils that he's the reason the Night King is coming. Right. Night King wants him. Um, essentially, it's some like weird, trippy shit, but uh, if you pretty much banish the Three-Eyed Raven from existence, you banish all of man's memories. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, he says, like, I'm going to go out to the wood, the weirwood, and wait there. Um, he won't come, maybe. If there's a dragon nearby, but y'all kind of, like, Danny and a dragon wait near the wings, kind of. Yeah. Be able to swoop in if you need to. <clears throat> but they're like, well, we're not going to send you out there, like, all alone. And Theon's like, I'll go, which seemed like the most suicidal of suicide missions. Right. It's just like, I'll go to pretty much be there with Bran when the guy, you know, when the fucking ice wizard shows up. Yeah. And hold him off until Danny can get there to kill him, which means, like, yeah, I'm going to die. But... Yeah. I feel like Theon's going back to die, essentially. Yeah, so do I. Um, and it, it really would be a pretty complete sweep of his arc. You know, th- th- this would be like the last redemptive thing that he does in a long series of fuck-ups and redemptions. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have any redemptive qualities until pretty much he saved Sansa. Right. Well, well I mean, <clears throat> there's there's something to be said about killing the farmer's boys and letting Bran and, and Rickon go. And, right, and then you know, relinquishing, uh, like forcing Yara to retreat from Winterfell, 
instead of like killing everyone who's there. Like he's had he's had like fits and starts of being a, good, a good man, but like so many people in the show, he struggles with identity about if he is a Greyjoy or if he is kind of a bastard Stark. How old was he roughly since you're the book book guy when he was? He's the same a, age as Rob. How how old was he when he was awarded? To the Starks. I don't remember when the Iron the the last rebellion was. Like roughly, like <clears throat> I think it's during Robert's rebellion, so he would be like three. Because so yeah, of, I was gonna say he's probably about Danny's age, and Danny was super young. Yeah, because so it was, he grew up a Stark for all yeah, the purposes. Yeah, um, and that was that was the deal was that the Iron right. Islands would give them Theon <clears throat> uh, so that uh, you know they would ensure that the Greyjoys wouldn't rise up again. Right. Um, but yeah, so at the War Council, we finally get, you asked the big question, what's the Night King's motivation? Now you kind of know. Yeah. Um, I do want to take a pause from the synopsis since that's kind of the last, like, really big, like, plot point. Um, hypothetically, do you think that the Night King is aware of the Citadel? And if he kills Bran, or the three, whoever the Three-Eyed Raven is, if he will then march towards the Citadel as his next goal... If 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 his motivation is to destroy human history, uh, that's interesting. I mean, does because of the follow up question is does he know what Brand knows? Right, and I assume he does. And if he does, then he does. Right, you know what I mean. If he yeah. does know everything that's in Brand's head, yeah, then he also knows that there's a essentially a giant library of Congress that keeps everything ever known. Right. I mean, Brand didn't solve the R plus. L equals J question alone. Right. Like, the rightfulness of John's claim to the throne was only made whole by, I would say Sam, but Gilly's uh, discovery of uh, the original marriage being annulled and this one being, you know, certified. Right. <clears throat> but that's what I was thinking. Um, you know, I wonder if, as part of the death march, they're thinking about maesters and killing maesters and you know, marching all the way south to destroy, like, all of that history. Um, but that still seems... I mean, it seems a, a little strange also that this is confined just to Westeros, um, if that's true. So I'm just going to leave it at what the show tells me, and that Bran is the goal. Right. <clears throat> yeah, and there could be, you know, that... There's that whole stuff that I've come across in the History of Ice and Fire that I bet you know some from reading the books of, like... Well, we talked about it earlier a little bit. Like, with the Starks, are they, like, you know... Are they Walker men? Right. Like, do they have mixed blood? Is the Night's King not the Night King? You know, the great, 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 great granddad of Ned or right. whatever. And I mean, Bran the Builder supposedly built the wall with ice and magic. Was right. he part children of the forest? Right. You know. And then, because then you get, you really get those, like, three, I guess, like, uh, is it the bear? The brer? That kid, that that doesn't have anything to do with the show, so we'll leave that out. You really just have the two, like, kids with uh, Lil Sam and Jon Snow of being, like, mixed blood. Was there some pact? They both went through the Black Gate at the old castle at the Wall. Right. Which is where they used to get, like, where the old treaties were yeah. made with the White Walkers. So this is, like, right after the first Endless Night or whatever. Yeah. So, so is the Night King coming for them as a secondary goal? Right. To, like, make the pact true again. Because most of this is forgotten, obviously, to the man. Right. But he's been around for God knows how long. Yeah. So. O- almost like the Three-Eyed Raven has been the Citadel for the North. Right. For eons. Right. Um, but, so yeah, so so they say that uh, 
Brands are Stanley Weirwood, Dragons Nearby, Ironborn Protecting. Really, I mean, great, great candidate for red shirts, I said last night, because they are like savage fighters. And also, there's part of my lore brain that gets kind of tickled that, uh, that the Night King is going to show up and here's going to be a bunch of dead men who resurrected themselves yeah. to fight them off. <laughs> right. That's just the Ironborn religion. Yeah. Um, but we also get um, kind of a pairing off of people who are going to be down in the crypt with the women and children and the old people who can't fight. And um, and the people who are going to be above ground. Um, <clears throat> and Tyrion will be in the crypt. Yep. Arya will probably be in the crypt. She looks or at like least she's, be in the castle. Yeah. Yeah. She looks like she's uh, she's like manning the mouth with that cool girl who reminded Davos of Shireen. Yeah. Who was like, well, I'm a warrior. And yeah. Gilly and Davos share a scene, which is kind of cool because you don't really get them together right. ever. Yeah. Um, and then Jamie sees Brienne over the parapets after Jamie mocks Tyrion. Yeah. With his, I thought I'd die with a belly full of wine and a woman's mouth around my cock. Yeah. Um, and basically like rushes out there and is like, let me fight for you. Right. Basically like, I, I get it. I used to be this general. People look, would look at me for inspiration in battle. He's like, but I'm not that anymore. Right. I've got one arm. I can still fight. But like, you are really probably the best fighter here. Yeah. And he's got a Valyrian sword, so he needs to be somewhere. <clears throat> yeah. He needs to be somewhere close to... Brienne. Right. Brienne's got one too. Right. Um, so they're going to be a pretty badass duo. Yeah, I guess since we just brought up Valyrian Steel, we, we have all the swords there that are they're going to be there now in their hands. Yep. Jorah now has Heart's Bane, which we all do is kind of coming. Yeah, I love the explanation. Sam can't even lift it above his head. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he yeah, said hold he it up, right? Yeah. So yeah, you have Jorah with Heart's Bane. You have um, Widow's Whale and Oathkeeper with Brienne and Jamie. Yep. Just what's left over advice. Um, and Jon Snow with Longclaw. Longclaw. And the only other piece of Valyrian anything we know, Arya's got the dagger. Right. Um, so that's pretty neat. But, I mean, it kind of starts to not matter when uh, Gendry has basically spent two days and not sleeping. Built like thousands of yeah. uh, dragonglass weapons. Right. Um, which is cool. I'm glad they kind of showed the smithing process because my dumb head was like, how do they make glass into weapons without just like using tape? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, they just smelt it down. And, right. Know, but so yeah, everyone's got dragon glass. So no one will be useless. No, it's just, I guess the, you brought it up on the last recap that the Valyrian still obviously is a little less brittle. Or yeah. More, yeah. Less brittle than the obsidian will be. Yeah, Dragonglass is supposedly very, very brittle, easy to crack. Um, and then we get, uh, I, I said previously, the penultimate, uh, probably the best scene, I think, that this is going to be one that people remember. Um, the way that you remember, uh, like, Brienne and Jamie's odd couple pairing, going through the woods, like, Braun and uh, Tyrion, like, any, like, kind of ranging that, like, just persists. Because it's, it's great conversation, right? Um, you get kind of all of the all of the people who, as Tyrion puts it, fought against the Starks, sitting around the fire, non-Northerners like gathering for warmth and Tormund, right? Um, best comic relief that the show has I right now. Love Tormund, man. Um, and they sit around, um, you know, just talking about the battle and talking about. So who all's there? It's Is, it's Brienne, Pod. Podrick, Davos, Tormund. Jamie, Tyrion, and uh, I forget if there's a seventh. I think it might just be those six. Oh, okay. 
I really want there to be seven. Yeah, me too. Because it's pretty much the Magnificent Seven, which happens in the movie where they sit around and talk about how they're pretty much going to die the next day. And most of them do. Yeah. Like, five of them die. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Yeah. Because um, Barrack's not there, because Barrack's up on the, up the, on the wall with the, the hound. The big two fighters that aren't present. Yeah. Arya's down in the, uh, in the supply room, um, yeah, making, no. making some hot pie with Gendry. Right. And, uh... You and you know John and Danny have gone wherever with dragons. I think they hinted that John and Danny are going to be riding the dragons for this fight. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you get them kind of sitting around and they just they're, they're just telling stories and it's it's fun because it's you know we know what's happened to each of them, but then they sit around and they talk to each other about like, oh yeah, and then there was that uh, time Jamie. they said Jamie. Oh damn. <laughs> there's that time where well maybe the Lord of Light is the seventh. Ooh, they're sitting in front of the fire. Ah. Um, you know they say they're telling war stories like oh and Brienne like you did beat the hand hound in one on one combat yeah and like Jamie's they're talking about like their accomplishments and then Jamie's like and famed loser at the Whisperwood <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah I like the uh, like Sir Davos Seaworth like survivor of all these battles he was like and I did it without a <laughs> like an ounce of talent <laughs> yeah <laughs> ounce of fighting talent <laughs> right. Uh, you get Tormund kind of staring down uh, uh, Jamie, which is fun. He was like, they call you the King Killer. And he's like, some would say that. He goes, you know why they call me Giant Spain? Oh, God, that story is... I was weaned on a giant's tit for six months. <laughs> yeah. um, but he drink, drinks the whole horn of... Yeah, probably giant's milk. Yeah. <laughs> but then it kind of comes to a climax when they... Uh, when, when, Someone uh, incorrectly calls uh, Tyrion incorrectly calls Brienne Sir Brienne, right? And is like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Lady Brienne." And Tormund is like, "Wait a second, she's not a knight. There's no fucking way she's not a knight, right?" And Jamie says that he can knight her, so we get the whole ceremony. Yeah, uh, just I was talking to Al about it, and he brought up this good little moment there that we kind of skipped over that I wanted to, but it's that it's uh, Tormund saying like, "Why aren't you a knight?" And yeah. her being like, "It's tradition." And him just being like, that's fucking stupid, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Like, what, what? That's dumb. Yeah. Especially coming from where he comes from, where, like, Tormund is one of the greatest fighters, obviously by him being still alive of the Wildlings, but, like, other greatest fighters is, like, Ygritte, who right. was a woman, right. and, you know, there's they, they don't give a shit. If you can fight, you can fight. Right. So to him, it's just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I interrupted you. No, <clears throat> so Brand, Brand gets yeah, she gets knighted by Jamie. <clears throat> you see her smile for the first time in eight seasons. Yeah, huge smile, it's like ear to ear. It's so like at first I was like oh, and then it persisted, and I was just like it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. Is it's a very solemn ceremony. Uh, Jamie kind of takes her through the three gods, I guess that are the, the, ca- the old gods or whatever, yeah. or the <clears throat> three of the gods of the sept. Yeah, and. Uh, and it is the 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 quiet solemn moment is broken by Tormund standing up in like uproarious <laughs> applause. So happy, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's it's a really awesome scene. The dialogue there is very well written. It's all like Sorkin esque, where it's like very fast, very witty. Yeah, and they're all like, you also have like some of like the more sarcastic, you know, people in the room together with like Tormund and Tyrion, and yeah. Um, so cuts back to them later, and they uh, they they sing an original version of uh, Jenny of the Old Bones, which is a song that is hinted at in the books. Um, yeah, I read some of about what that's about today. I went back and found it in the History of Ice and Fire, and like 
pretty much reading about in the book. I think it's Danny's great uncle. Okay. And it's her cousin <clears throat> in the show, but he's barely mentioned in the show in like the first couple seasons. Uh, but he's pretty much a Targaryen who gives up the right to the throne. Is it Blackfire? No. Okay. Um, he's got uh, one of those Targaryen names with like A's and E's and... I was wondering what the, if he had a nickname, because uh, one I of the spin-off shows is, so. is going to be the Dance of Dragons. There's going to be uh, back yeah. during the Blackfire Rebellion. So it would be kind of a cool little like nod to a spin-off show that's coming. Nice. That's like way before. Yeah. Yeah, this is her, like, in the show, it's her first cousin. Okay. And in the books, it was her great uncle. But it's somebody who pretty much, a Targaryen who gave up the throne for love. Okay. So uh, people immediately are, you know, thinking... The Danny, that's a shadow. Yeah. A foreshadowing moment. Well, <clears throat> and then we have basically the final scene where John spills the beans to Daenerys. She kind of does the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. She gets close and goes, what's wrong? And then says it like 20 times. And he goes, fine, you want to know what's wrong? You're my aunt, you weirdo. Uh, but she puts it together quicker than he does that uh, there's going to be conflict between the two of them if they survive. I do feel like we were on the precipice of John saying like I don't give a shit about the throne yeah when the battle horns went off yeah it's interesting though because you have earlier her basically telling Sansa my my quest was to kill Cersei was to take the Iron Throne was to burn all of my opposition but now I'm here fighting John's war yeah so it makes you think that like maybe she is willing to compromise and like sitting on the throne is something that she'd be willing to give up because she loves John. She also was talking to Brent some earlier who loved this episode. She was talking to Brent? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> uh, but no, she's literally her whole life never done anything other than just like destroy everybody that's living at Westeros and take it back. Right. And for the first time ever in the past like you know few months, she's had a different goal. Yeah. So I'm sure she's still like processing that like shift in her brain. Yeah, even to the point where... Like one of the people who like who killed her relatives is there, and he's bending the knee. Right. He's like, "Let me fight for you, please." Right. Like he's begging her. Right. Not because he cares if he lives or dies. Because I think if they would have said, "Well, you know what? You're gonna die," he's gonna go, "Okay." Right. You know, I think that's a stupid move because I could fight for you, but if you think that that's what needs to happen because of what I did, then fine. And I bet he would stand up to it. Right. But that she's faced with all these people who are, you know, sympathetic is kind of what. Uh, you know, uh, Viserys talked about about how there's, you know, thousands of people in Westeros who are just waiting for the queen, like the mother of dragons, to come back, um, which was a lie when Viserys said it. But now that people are seeing her, you know, be like pretty good ruler and like making the right choice in this decision of like kill Cersei or like save humanity, yeah, you know, she's not being so self interested, right? So. Yeah, interesting to know what what happens with them. Um, she's got, I mean, it's like putting like like a doorstop in for a second though, because episode one, episode two, think about them, whatever you want, have whatever predictions you have. I'm not saying we're not going to talk for another, like ten minutes, but we know what's happening next episode. Yes, because the actual end of the episode. Uh, is they're having a conversation in the crypt and then the horn blows because the White Walkers are on the ridge. Yeah. They're there. Right. They're going to be there in like a minute. Right. So <laughs> so we know that's happening. So it may not matter. Yeah. I mean, so like think crazy with what we assume. What can we be wrong about? Like is there a chance the whole army's not there? The whole White Walker army? There could be. 
I mean, we, we didn't see the dragon, which... We didn't see the dragon or the Night's King. Felt like a good moment to show a dragon flying over, like, the woods outside of Westeros if they wanted to. Yeah. They, they didn't. They also didn't so j- show John and Danny's dragon. And I don't want to, like, metagame it too much, but it could just be a production budget thing. Yes. Where they're like, we already spent... Because we did see, we did see Ghost <laughs> for a point five seconds. Yeah. Um, but... It is, it is interesting. You know, may, maybe they've got his number. Maybe for the first time Tyrion has planned a military operation since Blackwater Bay correctly and Bran being stranded in the Godswood, maybe that's why we didn't see the Night King. Yeah. Because he's he's going to wait and head to the Godswood. Um, or maybe they've split their forces and they're going to, you know, attack on the front that Winterfell's defending and then, you know, come through the crypts. Um, there's some foreshadowing of that uh, yeah. with, the, uh, with the trailer before the show. Before the season even started, um, a, a shot of Arya running through the crypts, scared of something. It doesn't actually show the whites down there, but you assume, right? You know, she's not running from Podrick. Well, that that was a lot of people. Whether I think you were the first person that told me about it before I read it anywhere. That are they resurrecting? Yeah, there's dead the, Starks. Yeah, there's a theory. There's there's like old lore, and the reason why all Starks have to be buried there. Uh, with an actual iron sword is because it's the only thing that stops them from being restless. And so there's a theory that that the Starks will break out of their tombs, um, which is why in like the preseason prognostication thing that we did had like who had the question on it and said, who has Ned's bones? Right. Because if Ned Stark's bones are in the crypts of Winterfell and not with, you know, whoever says they have them, I think Howland Reed apparently has them. Right. um, Then he could rise from his tomb supposedly. Right. Um, I don't think that there's like a statute of limitations on when the Night King can raise dead people, um, because we see all sorts of fresh zombies and all sorts of like just skeleton boys. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that would be something that would make Arya very frightened if Catelyn, Lady Stoneheart, actually comes back. Yeah. Character that's talked about in the books. Um, you know, in the books. You know, hope I'm not spoiling this for anyone, but that book came out like 13 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Catelyn Stark comes back after she gets her throat slit and basically leads the Brotherhood without banners. Right. Um, as this vengeful, vengeful ghoul roaming the countryside. Yeah. Um, and we might get kind of a, a nod to that if the Night King is able to lift the Starks from their tombs. Yeah. That'd be bananas. Yeah. It would be a good reason why you would have that cool girl that looks like Shireen down there. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, so like I said, we're gonna get the gonna get the fight next episode, and it is directed by uh, Battle of the Bastards guy. Um, yeah, uh, directed probably the most entertaining episode of TV I've ever seen. Yep, it's still untitled, but that's kind of how it's been going. Uh, but it's Michael Sapochnik, <clears throat> and this one was written directly by Benioff and Weiss. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is this episode feels like it's been planned for a long time. Yeah. Um, he wrote the, uh, just to give you the, he wrote Battle of the, ba- ba- Battle of the Bastards. <laughs> Battle of the Bastards. And uh, in the, the final episode for season six, The Winds of Winter. So, yeah, I think for our uh, Talkie Talk official ranker, those are his, Brent's I'm talking about, his top two episodes. Yeah. So... 
Um, and I will say, I, I don't know how much people track this, but he's also directing episode five. And so I wanted to talk about something that you mentioned earlier. Um, do you think that we're going to wrap a bow on the Night King storyline after our hundred and hour and 20 minute episode next week? I'm going to give a shitty answer. I think it's going to be like 70 to 80% resolved. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that's... Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think it's like uh, Jon Snow's not going to swing from a vine from a weirwood and slice him in half or whatever, and it's going to be over. Yeah. But we're going to shift focus to the Golden Company. Yeah. And Cersei. I, I, I think that you were right, especially if it bleeds into next episode a little bit. Yeah. Um, we really have a two-front war that we need to resolve. Um, just one one front hasn't engaged, fully engaged yet. Right. And again, we got... We, that hammered home so much in this past episode of with Sansa and Danny talking about like what happens if we win and with all six of them at the fire talking about how they're all enemies. Yeah. And, uh, and Tyrion specifically says like let's all stop for a second and pretend that we do win. Right. And with uh, Danny obviously getting nervous about what happens to her quest for the Iron Throne if they win. Yeah. And her and Jon survive. Yeah. Um, so I think they, they, you know, hit you with that so hard in episode two to kind of make you realize like, oh, there is even best case scenario. If they go through this and every character that we can name survives retreats, there still is shit to deal with. Right. That's huge. I mean, I think a lot of people who aren't like you or Brent, uh, and don't, aren't forced to talk about it like me and David have been. Yeah underestimate what the golden company is yeah i mean it's it is it's like the unsullied like times like 10 yeah i mean it's it's a it's trained fighters mercenaries of like the worst kind that are badass and are just bought with money of which our heroes have none right so i mean it's a twenty thousand person army how many people are in the unsullied it was like it was a hundred thousand at first but who knows how many we've lost right right um but there's also and how many stayed Right. Yeah. There's also something to be said that, you know, Harry Strickland and the founder of the Golden Company are descended from Targaryens. So, like, they're not, you know, they're not necessarily going to be, like, super supportive of Danny because they are the Targaryens who broke off. Right. And who said, like, fuck the Targaryens and their claims to the throne. Like, we don't need a throne. Right. And so, I don't know. It's, <clears throat> it's interesting that that's the secondary menace. And not to think too much... I, I say I don't like metagaming, but I do it constantly. <laughs> um, book six is the winds of winter, and book seven is the dream for spring. So, right. not saying that they're going to take two books and jam them into you know five more, four more episodes. Right. But if you think about those two remaining titles, uh, you know it could be that the White Walkers get defeated, and then the dream for spring is, like The Walking Dead... The biggest threat isn't this like bizarre magic disaster that's coming. It's humans, right? It's the cruelty of people in scenarios where they're like pressed to their limits. There was also something that I think probably most people have noticed before, but clicked with me today. Like it's called Winterfell. You know what I mean? Right. Like this could easily just be the site of where Winter fell. Right. Um, and it wraps up the story of. Them creatures from north of the wall. Yeah, I mean, who knows? George R. R. Martin could be anticipating doing what he did, where he splits the books into uh, into it's one timeline, but there are different events happening in different parts of the continent. 
because he said that that was one of the difficulties is he didn't want to have a whole book where nothing happens because yeah. there are things happening but across the continent but you've just been introduced to so many characters and that could be where we are with the books which are way behind where the show is right where Winds of Winter could just be all the happenings in Winterfell and Dream for Spring could be everything that's happening south of the neck and then the last you know 10 15 chapters could be them coming back together right um, which is also similar to how Feast for Crows and Storm of Swords was. No, I forgot which two did it. Yeah. Um, but it'd be interesting. I also think that there's room for the Night King to not be defeated, but for everyone in Winterfell to retreat. Yeah, that's why I use the term resolution. You know what I mean? You think that Winterfell will be resolved. Right. And then we'll, that, that the plot will move south one way or another. Right. I mean, you brought up a cool image uh, pre-show of, like... Them, like, luring them even... You didn't really say this, but, like, luring them south to King's Landing and then kind of splitting and kind of using them... Using the White Walkers as a weapon on Cersei and the Golden Company. Yeah. Like, if they are unbeatable. Yeah. Especially with your dragons and your Valyrian steel and your dragon glass. I mean, the Golden Company really wouldn't, as, as, as much as we talked them up, wouldn't stand a chance against some... You know what I mean? Right. Something like that. It would be interesting also because that seems like the kind of play that Bran would think of would be... Like, why don't, like, like if, if I die, like, don't fight them. Because they either might retreat because right. they got what they wanted, or they will keep marching, and in which case, don't fight them in the north. Right. Where, you know, they have all of the, like, terrain advantage, even though they bring winter with them. Right. But, like, move south, regroup, fight them with, like, the remaining humans. Like, show Cersei the might of their army. Right. Um... But then again, I think that, that that's a little far fetched. Yeah, it's just a fun thing to, like I said, the middle image was fun. Yeah, there's also the the thing that John says uh, when they say that last hearth fell, um, that uh, the further south he goes, the stronger the army gets. Like, yeah, they don't lose numbers any like ever. All the dragon glasses in Winterfell, no one's actually killing them and putting them down. Right. Um, well, one more order of business before we go. Not nine years thing, but I feel like it wouldn't be a Game of Thrones podcast if we didn't. Give me give me two or three names of people you think don't make it past episode three. Do you want me to give you safe names? Uh, I want them to be pretty prominent characters. Okay. So, I don't care about like the like the old Magnificent Seven side characters. Like, I think that Beric dying, who cares? Right. right, like Barrack's great. I I want that dude to narrate my fucking life. Yeah. The gra- gravel tone is just <laughs> awesome. Um, I also think that there's like the person who has flirted the most with the Lord of Light and with like destroying like the dead men, uh, who you wouldn't expect is the Hound. So I'm gonna pick the Hound. Oh wow! Um, even uh, though I want Clegane to I was happen, gonna say I have to punt just because I feel like we were talking about before about how the audience keeps. Viewers keep getting the bullshit they yeah. talk about. Um, but, I feel like Clegane Bowl is a shoe-in. But Clegane Bowl could be a dead Sandor Clegane versus a dead mountain. Ah, that'd be cool. They could fight for eternity. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say that. Um, I think Bran dies. I don't think the, the plan goes well. Yeah. I think that Bran dies, and we, we kind of learn what the ultimate stakes are then. And for my last one, I'll say that... Uh, Brienne dies. Brienne could be good. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna save the Hound. I'm gonna save Jamie. 
I feel like their arcs aren't completed yet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Bran as well. I'm going to go Theon. I think it's a good pick. And, um... Hmm. I didn't think about my own question before I asked it. <laughs> uh, it's good. If the listeners... Can I, like, I like Bran. Bran's a good pick. Okay. Let's say, pick. If the listeners can pick up what show your partner's watching, then they get a bonus point. Uh, what's all in there? I don't know. Okay. But I thought, we can't like, even... I thought that like, in, in your moment of if silent contemplation, maybe they could hear like Roseanne say something. <laughs> so, yeah, if that's your thing, we both have Brienne and Bran. Yeah. Maybe die on next episode. I'll take Theon. You'll take the Hound. Yeah. Which would break my heart. Yeah, me I'd too. I'd much rather see Theon die. <laughs> I think that the Hound might, might get scared of the fire again and I'm, retreat to protect Sansa. I think that that would be a full arc for him. Yeah. Um, in the way that, like, like Brienne has now completed her, like, quest. Right. Um, of an equality mission. And, and I think that anytime someone in any show goes, let's use so-and-so as bait. I'm like, well, yeah. You know what happens to bait? Bait gets fucking eaten. Yeah. Like, when you fish, bait gets eaten. Right. You don't go fish the worm out afterwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. It'll be, uh... I've, I think it will end well, um, in the fact that man will win. Yeah, but maybe not this episode, but the beginning of next. Yeah, and with some serious loss. Yeah. Also, think and uh, Brent pretty much agreed with us on on who's dying, but uh, he threw in one of the dragons, which I think is possible as well. I think that a dragon could die, but it would have to die defeating the other dragon. So we're left with just, uh, like, Drogon or something? I don't think that you can give the Night's King two dragons and not write the show any other way than them winning. Yeah. Or retreating. Especially Ice Dragons, which, like, have a lore in Game of Thrones. It's not, like, the first one that's ever existed. Yeah. But they're, like, crazy more powerful than regular dragons. And they're smarter. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and this isn't, like, a true Ice Dragon that lives in the Shivering Sea or whatever. Those were apparently, like, five times the size of regular dragons. And they yeah. melted when they died, so nobody could ever... You know what I mean? It was crazy... This whole show is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I keep defending. Like, I know it sounds weird. <laughs> this one weird fact about ice dragons who live in the ocean. <laughs> um, but yeah, and do uh, you have any other final thoughts? I don't think so, man. I'm really excited for next week. Me too. I'm really excited. And I also want to say, uh, this is how you talk about the episode without talking about Arya and Gendry. Um, yeah, it's not hard. Yeah. It, that was such a minor plot point and it's not going to matter. And who cares if writers of a show put two characters together and put their parts together. Yeah. You know, right. move, move on. Yeah. Uh, I was like I said before the show, like aside from Cersei and Jamie and Danny and John, every se- all the sex of the show has been pretty meaningless. Yeah. So, who cares? Yep. So, this has been Talk Talk Podcast with MediaBias.com. Check us out. We're posting three podcasts this week and for the next probably three weeks, we might take a week off for our uh, one of these, we'll be recapping these episodes, doing our watch list another day, um, and then doing our homework. Uh, a couple uh, orders of business for homework. Uh, the previously assigned Rebecca, that podcast is going up Thursday. We said that you could catch that on... Uh, we said you couldn't catch it, but it's public domain. I go into a whole tirade about that on our Thursday episode. <laughs> um, but you can find it on archive.org if you want to watch along with us. Um, also, there might be a revision to the homework that's assigned in that episode. Uh, Marty apparently was appearing as available on Amazon Prime, but it's not, so we'll keep you updated. But I want to 
let you know how to get in touch with us. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably already know how. Uh, but send us an email uh, to themediabias.gmail.com. You can tweet us at themediabias. You can find us on Instagram at themediabias420xx. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't do that, please. Uh, so subscribe to our podcast and your favorite pod snatching app. And I want to give a special thanks to the Will Loggers and to Bariva for the outro <laughs> and to TJ. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things.